That was a lot of that was a lot of fun. Those kids are really smart. All right, so we're going to be in Matthew 28, and we're going to be in Romans 10, and we we just heard the Bible, and the account in of Matthew is that the two Marys were looking for Jesus. And they came to the tomb, and there was a, an angel. An angel says, I know that you're looking for Jesus, the one that was crucified. He said, he is no longer here. He, he's been risen. He's been resurrected, just as he said that he would do. And he says, hey, come, come and look. Right, we live in the show me state. Like, come and Check it out for yourself. The tomb is empty. And I wonder that poor angel, like, well, I was in the military. I always got chosen for these duties, and I missed out on a lot of the fun. Imagine the celebration that's going on in heaven for Jesus, the Son of God, is risen. And he gets called out on a special duty to go and roll away the stone. And to tell the disciples of Jesus that, hey, the guy you've been following, the one that you love, all that he said has come true. Now I realize there are probably potentially three different groups in the room with us today. Those that live every day as a reminder to themselves of an empty tomb, that Christ conquered death and he rose and he is now sitting at the right hand throne of God that he conquered death for you and for me those of you that are here that say I believe that and I'm reminded of that on Easter and maybe a third group that says I'm not sure about that kind of exploring that about Jesus conquering death and rising from the grave. If that is you, I, I pray that today starts a conversation. Starts a conversation about God coming to earth and conquering death for us. If today is Easter and you're reminded of that, I pray that today that the empty tomb becomes something special to you every day. A risen Savior. And if this is something that is something you think about daily or often, I would ask that you would thank God for that. That's a special gift uh, from God to have. And as I was beginning to pray about this, this sermon, I was beginning to think about goals. We all have goals in life. We have life goals and eternal life goals. And as I was thinking about that, I was thinking of a story to help us to understand a little bit more about the risen Savior and what that means in our life and what it means for the goals that we have. There were two people. One, a highly spiritual person. You may see them on TV. 
They speak really well. They wear expensive tennis shoes. Have a lot of what life has offered them. Have a lovely family and a lovely home. And on the other hand, you have a second person who also grew up in a well home, but has found themselves to be a heroin addict. Living on the street, no hope, homeless, moneyless, both one day at the same time decided to go to church. It was empty, no one else was there. Both looking for the same thing, both having the same goals, both wanting to know if they were right with God. The first, the spiritual person, stood there and prayed at the altar, and he said, God, at least I'm not like others. I don't steal. I don't commit forgery. I've never murdered anyone. I've never lied. Or not often. I pray three times a day. I I give 10% of everything that I give. I give it back to the church. I fast monthly. Listen for what the Lord is going to tell me to do. And he looked over, and there was the homeless person. And he says, well, at least I'm not like her. The homeless person maybe felt a little scorn from this individual, stepped over, would not come near. And she wouldn't lift her eyes to heaven. And she just says, I can't believe my life is this way. I can't believe it's come to this. How did I get here? How do I get out of this? And she won't lift her head to heaven. And she cries out, God, forgive me, a sinner. And the story ends there. Now I know that both people had goals in life. Nothing wrong with goals. I'm sure the spiritual person and their goals in their life was probably to have a little bigger house, a nicer car, and to do other things and to send their kids off to a nice college. This is the goals that they have. And then the eternal life goals that the spiritual person had was, well, I'm going to try to be better than the next person. I'm going to try to do the best that I can to be right with God. Like, if I do enough, if I do good enough, then God's going to be happy with me. And my comparison to that is somebody else and how they're doing. The homeless person, I'm sure, had goals to get out of the situation, to get back to normal life. They also had a goal to be right with God. 
but yet they had nothing to offer. So we have heard and we have been told to have goals. But I want to look at the Bible and what the Bible says about goals. Again, we read in Matthew 28. I'm going to go ahead and read that verse 1 through verse 6. The Bible says, Now, after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. For the angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, and he said, Come, see the place where they laid him. And I begin to wonder about this empty tomb and what that means for me and what that means for you. That God would step out of heaven and die for you. When he was put in the tomb, he was dead. He was not breathing. And I begin to wonder about this, someone dying for you. And imagine receiving an email. Subject line, Joe Smith died for you today. You'd be like, spam mail, what is this? Mark this as junk mail. But it comes in again, it says, no, not kidding, like this guy... I don't know who you are, but he died for you. It turns out it's true. Like there was some guy, I don't know, died for me. Like so many questions. Like why would someone die for me? Like I don't know him. I didn't owe him anything. I don't feel like I owed him anything. Why would he do that for me? Like, do I owe him and his family now something? Like, do they expect something in return? I don't know. So the question is, then why did Jesus die for you and for me? And it really comes down to a relationship. For the, so that you and I can have a, not only just a relationship, but a perfect relationship, a, a good relationship, a, a right relationship. I was thinking back on people I'd like to hang out with for a day. For some reason, Steve Irwin came to my mind. Anyone remember Steve Irwin, the crocodile guy? Like, I love being outside. I love animals. Like, this guy's got a great personality. He's always fun and energetic. He would be awesome to hang out with for a day. Like, that would be so exciting. But I can I have a relationship with him? And he, he's, he died, unfortunately. Like I cannot have a relationship. But the reason that you and I can have a relationship, perfect relationship, is because Jesus lives. And he lives. He died and he conquered death for you 
and for me. And that's what we come to celebrate today, right? That Jesus is alive. We celebrate that. A risen Savior. Romans 10. I'm going to get to that. Romans 10, verse 3. says this. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, that's righteousness, they did not submit to God's righteousness. And you may have heard that. We sang that word earlier, righteousness. 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 And you may have like, what is that word? What, is that, what does that mean? And the simple thing is being right with God, righteousness, right? That we're right with that. It's a relationship that we have that's okay. Anyone not fill their, not file their taxes yet? You probably won't raise your hand if you haven't. I just mailed mine in Friday. It was making me nervous. Like our tax lady's like, oh, you got till Monday. We were waiting on this thing to try electronic file. I'm like, no, I'm sending these in now. Like it's going in the mail. I'm getting a tracking number. All that stuff. I know we have till Monday, but it's the, so imagine if you didn't file your taxes for like 20 years. Like, how is your relationship with the government? It's not very good, right? It's broken. There's something wrong, right? That there's laws for a reason, so to maintain a good re- relationship. Like the IRS, if you fill your taxes, they don't care. Like, you're fine. Like, you have a great relationship. But if you don't, the relationship is broken. It's not righteous. It's not right. There's something wrong with that. And it's the same way with God either. You, you have a good relationship or it's broken and you, and you don't. There's no, there's no in between. And I would say that the spiritual person that you would see on TV with the good shoes... They understood God's law, but they didn't understand God's righteousness. And this individual, he, he sought his own righteousness. It, it's called self-righteousness. They say, if I do enough, I, me, myself and I, if I do enough, I'm going to be right with God. Self-righteousness. Romans 10.4 says this. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Did you catch that? For Christ is the end of the law. End being goal, right? You reach your goal, you've reached the end. You reach the, you reach the end. The goal of the law is Christ and God's righteousness for everyone who believes. So the homeless person, she knew there was nothing that she could do. That the law condemned her. And she humbled herself. Say, I, there's nothing of me. There was no I in that. 
And she sought her righteousness through Jesus. And I was thinking about, hypothetically, this lady. And I thought, what great shame she must have had standing there. And the Bible says that those who humble themselves will be exalted. You'll be lifted high. That you will take off your gown of shame and and put on the gown of God's righteousness. So I pray today that if you feel shame, that if you feel like God is not happy with you, you feel shame over your sin and your debt to God, I pray that today that you are reminded that those who humble themselves, that the end of the law, and that, and that means Ten Commandments, Anyone ever follow the Ten Commandments perfectly? I guess it's a good standard to live by for the government, for all of us. But who here has perfectly honored their parents? Who has never lied? Who's never stole? Who's ever put God first? Who's never made it an idol out of something other than God? The law is God's perfect standard. But we break it. God created the law so that sin would abound, so that we would know that we cannot live up to God's standard, that we need something else. And the Bible says that when you put your faith and trust in in Jesus, the law drives you, just as the homeless lady drives you, to the righteousness of God, not your self-righteousness, that you will reach your goal. You will reach the end, and that is Jesus and God's righteousness. And that you can remove your shame because you will be exalted, that you will be noble, that you will be lifted up, that, that God will make you an adopted child, a son and a daughter of God, that, that he will hold you in his righteous right hand. He will never let you go. The homeless person, after they left praying, The homeless person left justified, left righteous in the sight of God because they humbled themselves. They put on the robe of Christ's righteousness. The tomb is empty. It is finished. Jesus cried out on the cross. He took on all of our sin. He cried out to tell us die. It is finished. There's nothing left to do. It is done. And we celebrate Christ's worst day on earth. We celebrate that. And for me, it's a reminder of God's love that he has for all of us. A lot of times we define love by what we currently know, right? 
And I want to hopefully redefine maybe your understanding what you currently know about love. That yet while we were sinners, with no hope, with no way to be right, righteous with God, Christ died for you. He died for you. The Bible says that Christ, who knew no sin, he was blameless. He was spotless. Never sinned. He who knew no sin became sin. So that you may have the righteousness of God. Amen? Can get an amen off of that one? Hopefully that redefines your love, your definition of love. And I know some of you may be saying this, and we'll wrap it up here. You may say, well, what is that homeless person supposed to do? Just continue to live? Like, how does that work as a Christian? Isn't there other responsibilities and expectations? And I said, well, that's, that's between her and God. But I will say this, that a goal in life is to... Come to the end of the law and find Christ and confess, hey, I, I'm just a sinner. Lord, I need you. I need the righteousness of God. The other goal as a Christian is to become more like Christ every day. Some of you, I know how we all are, like, ah, all right, what do I need to do? It's the wrong thinking. Even with that, God says, you can't. You cannot become like Christ on your own. It's like a plumber. First week on the job, straight out of high school, he got one week in on the job as a plumber, as an apprentice. And he says, I'm going to take my first paycheck and I'm going to Niagara Falls. Always wanted to go there. And when he gets there, he goes, man, look at the size of that leak. I think I can fix that with the knowledge that I have. Like that is you say, I want to become more like Jesus every day. It's not going to happen. Outside of a new goal. Jesus says, I am the vine. God is the vine. You are the branch. Everything flows through the vine to you. Jesus lives within you as a Christian. He says, I promise you this. If you stay connected to me as the vine, I will produce fruit in you. You're not going to do it. I don't know how it works. But you start reading the Bible. You get committed to a local church. You pray. Not that it's checking a box, making God happy, but because of this love relationship, it's been restored. He said, you start doing that, you're going to start producing fruit. You're going to become more like Jesus. Isn't God so good? He never said you could. He never expected you to. Outside of putting your faith and your trust in the one that could. In the one that could. 
Here at True Life, we call it finding your true life in Christ. Not only your life now, but eternal life. Jesus says this. He says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Nobody goes to the Father except through me. Except through me. My life, my death, and my resurrection makes you, your faith in that makes you right, righteous with the Holy God. Only through Christ. If you believe that, God has given you his righteousness. If you've come to the end of the law, if you've come to the end of self-righteousness, trying to make yourself look good in front of God, if you've come to the end of yourself and said, I am a sinner with no hope of being right with God, who is holy, who is just, who is all-powerful, all-knowing, that cannot be around sin, if you've come to that place, it is totally worth celebrating today. That is the gospel, the good news of Jesus. That's what we celebrate. That's what he did for you. And he said, as simple as this, later on in Romans 10, it says, if you confess that Jesus is Lord, Lord of your life, that you're tired of trying to make God happy and not know what to do, he said, if you will make Jesus, and you confess that with your mouth, that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your hearts all that you are, that God raised him from the grave three days later to prove his love to you so that you, your goal of eternal life is through Jesus. If you believe that, Jesus says you will have eternal life. It's a free gift. You don't have to do anything. Other than just do like the homeless lady. I'm a sinner. Please forgive me. So I'm going to pray in a little bit. Um, we're going to go ahead and take communion. The worship team's got a couple more songs for us. Um, I'm going to pray before that. Uh, during the songs, even after service, I would love to talk to you about that. Um, that first step of obedience in your life. Whether it's confessing that Jesus is Lord to me, whether it's baptism, whether it's, hey, I, I want to become more like Jesus. How do I stay connected? Whatever your next step of, of obedience is, uh, I would be happy to talk to you about that. So I'm going to go ahead and pray, and then we're going to pass out uh, communion. This is a time of reflection.